Good morning, everybody. So glad to be with you today. I love gathering together for church, and I want to jump right in, and I want to share some things with you today that I think are pivotal to answering the question, when are we going back to church? First of all, let me say we are in church, so welcome. But I understand. I understand the question. I understand the longing that we all have to get back together. It's real. This season has been so challenging on so many levels for so many people. A few weeks ago, one of you walked up to me and said, yeah, I think I'm done with online church. And I, I totally get it. Like, it can be awkward to worship with your family in the living room. And, you know, one of the things that bugs me is I can't quite figure out whether to enjoy the worship time or enjoy the comment section. Like I get so distracted by the comment section. I can't, I, I love them both, but I can't seem to do them both at the same time. So I feel distracted, but breakfast is distracting too. So there is that. And then there's always the temptation uh, with online church to just start to scroll through your device on social media. But hey, that was always a temptation, even when you were sitting in front of me uh, when we were gathered at the church building. Yep, that's right. I see you. I, I know it happens. So I just think there's, a, there's, a, there's an issue here that we're all wrestling with. And you're ready to get this COVID-19 thing over with. You're done with shelter in place. Like, like you're, you, you've had it up to here with Zoom meetings. I totally get that. Even though it's so awesome to be able to wear shorts on the bottom. I get it. <laughs> it's business on the top, party on the bottom. Love it. I love the experience. You just, but you just want to get back to normal. There's something in us that's kind of driving us. And listen, those of you with kids, this has been really challenging. I, I really understand that. And I've heard from many of you, that's part of what's been so difficult. Those of you with teenagers, I think that's been a, a really difficult thing and hard on them and on their emotions and missing their friends and really missing out on experiences that they were counting on. And I, I just think that those are very tough things to deal with. Now, let me also say right here that I think our kids' teams and our student ministry teams are doing so great. They're, they're using social media. They are, they are creating resources and opportunities online to connect with your kids and to speak with them and to, to talk about Jesus and to walk with them. I think, it, I think they're doing a fantastic job. If you need more resources like that, go to onechapel.com. They're all there. But here's, here's what I want to say to you today. I want to ask you this question. What if you never could go back to normal? Could you handle it? Could you survive it? What would you do if you couldn't go back to normal? I mean, most of us truthfully didn't think you could have a meaningful, like, intimate conversation that was spiritually moving in an online small group. But last Tuesday, I was on a Zoom call with 35 guys, and we were having 
an incredible encounter with the scriptures and with each other and, and getting into small groups where we were sharing our hearts. It's, it, it's possible. It's more than possible. It's happening. So what if I told you that there is a new normal that God is shaping in us right now? Would you be okay with that? Would you be okay with this process? Would you be okay with this struggle? What if I told you that there is something that God wants to do in you and in me and in our church in this process that we're in? Would you be willing to allow it to unfold? Would you be willing to wait a little longer for that process to be fulfilled? Would you be willing to put up with whatever it took to establish the new normal that God is trying to accomplish in your life, in your community, and in your church? If, if you said yes, then I think there's only one thing to do. If you said no, there's only one thing to do. <laughs> and that thing is to cry out to God for his intervention and his help. And we all need it. Interestingly enough, he rarely responds in the way we think he should rescue us or relieve us or heal us or deliver us. And I wish that weren't so true. But you look all the way through the scriptures, you story after story, from Abraham to Noah to Moses to King David, Peter, James, and John, they all had to deal with the surprise and sometimes the confusion of how God works in mysterious ways. We're in this series called From Here to There, and I, I just think it's been really good because we're, it's based on the songs of ascents from the book of Psalms, chapters 120 to 134, and it's been so rich. It covers the landscape of every area of our lives. I mean, our emotions, our disappointments, our hopes, our dreams, and yes, even the waiting. I like the title of the series, From Here to There, because of the season we're in, because we're all making this journey, but it always makes me think about traveling with my kids in a car on a long trip, which, interestingly enough, <laughs> seems really awesome right now, like after, after this long and sheltering in place. But what are the first words out of your kids' mouths when you go on a long journey? Four words. Are we there yet? Yes. There's this, there's this thing that happens, and I feel, like, I feel like that's what we're all saying right now. Are we there yet? I know we all feel a little bit like that today, but in the Psalms, we find some solutions. We find some comfort. We find some encouragement. We, we also find that we're challenged. The literal translation of these songs of ascents are, and I love this, it's songs that are sung on the journey to a higher place. Songs that are sung on the journey to a higher place place. And historically, these psalms were sung by the Hebrew pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem to worship at the temple during the festivals, during the great worship festivals. And so let me tell you, you can't get to a higher place without some struggle in the pace. It's going to be challenging. Your pace, you're going to want to push it. 
You're going to want to make stuff happen, but you, you got to be methodical and consistent. And I've said it several times, we're in more of a marathon than a sprint. Because going up higher takes more time, it takes more energy, it takes more commitment, more conviction, more determination and faith. And this morning, I want you to go with me as we chart a course for what's next. This morning, we're going to look at the 11th song in Psalm 130. And so if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to join me and let's read it together. It only has eight verses. And so it's a a short little psalm, but it packs a punch. I'm going to start with verse one. It says, out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness. Therefore, you are feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word, I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. As we peel back the layers of this short psalm and this song, I I think it's important to realize that for thousands of years, Psalm 130 has been a song that every generation has been able to hold on to. And I think it's because every one of us have some sort of understanding of the depths that the psalmist is talking about here, the depths of despair, the depth of discouragement, maybe the depth of suffering or tragedy, the depth of guilt and shame, and maybe even the depth of sheltering in place. I think every one of us has experienced these difficult seasons in our lives. And for thousands of years, people have drawn inspiration from this song. Poems, novels, short stories, songs, have found their inspiration right here. And again, I think the reason why so many of us identify with this psalm is because we've all experienced such deep, dark seasons of loneliness, seasons of heartache, feeling like nobody understands, like nobody cares. This this is what we've all experienced and we can identify with this, but it's in the depths. It's in the depths of this darkness and this pit that you and I have a choice. And our choice is we can either cry out in anger against God and turn our back on him, or we can cry out for mercy to God, turn to him and run to him. And every one of us chooses. Look again at verse one one and two. It says, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Listen, this pandemic and COVID-19, it's put some, some of you in a deep, dark pit. Insecurity, fear, anxiety, depression. People are dealing with it. I've heard it all as as a pastor who's been in touch with people. Jobless claims in our country just topped 33 million 
That's a bunch of people who are being challenged like never before. Marriage problems are on the rise. Statistically, physical abuse and emotional abuse are up. Pornography use is up. So many households and family members have suddenly found in, the, in this sheltering in place moment an eruption of frustration and anger. And I think we've all been tested by this interruption. But what if it's not an interruption? What if what we're facing is not an interruption, but a disruption? What if our lives are being disrupted and they'll never be the same? What if this disruption changes everything? What if that's God's desire for us in the middle of this? In that case, we need to cry out to God all the more. We need to cry out for his mercy from the depths of your soul because God is the only one who can help us get out of this. God's the only one who can make sense of it for our lives. And I know some of you, I've talked to you, you do need a process. You're, you need to go through, there's some counseling that you need and you need a journey of healing. And I, I totally believe that. But you gotta settle that you're gonna cry out to God first. Because he's the only one who understands what he's trying to do in your life. Because listen to me, there's no place too dark. There's no place too far away from God that he can't hear your cry for help. If you feel like you're far away right now from God, if you feel like you've messed up, like you've really, really failed during this time, I want to proclaim to you, I want to tell you straight on, he's not far from you, he's near. He's close to you. Look at Psalm 139.7. It says, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol or the depths, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will, I, will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness. Darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as the day. See that dark place that you're in right now? God is there. He is with you. He's always listening. He's waiting for you to call on him in faith. He's waiting for you to call on him with a contrite and repentant heart because if you've lost your way during this time, look at what the psalmist says in verses three and four of, of Psalm 130. He says, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins... Oh, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness. Therefore, you are feared. Listen, listen, God knows how prone to sin we are as humans. He knows how frail we are. And yet he is so merciful. He's loving towards us when we fall. Look at verse three one more time. If you, O oh Lord, kept a record of sin, O oh Lord, who can stand? Understand, it's a rhetorical question. And the answer is, no one can stand. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, now doesn't, didn't, doesn't God keep a record of sin? Isn't there a book that he writes it all down? In it? Well, there's a, there is a book that I think he records the experiences and all of the actions and all the stuff in your life. He it's, it is, there's a, a recorded element to that. But when you meet Jesus, when you ask him into your heart, when you choose to follow him, he does something so profound. 
he takes whatever's been written and everything that's sinful and everything that's awful, he kind of wipes it away. It disappears. And this is, this is the gospel that we preach. Listen, the forgiveness and healing that only comes through Jesus is our hope. We really can't make it through life without his intervention. And, but because of what Jesus did on the cross, because he took our place, because of what he did to illustrate God's love and desire for relationship, when he came to this earth, God is able to forgive all who come to him, to those who call on his name. And this is the reason why no matter how deep and dark the pit is that you're in, you can have hope. Look at verse five and six now. It says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits and is in his word, I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. What does it mean to wait for the Lord? Waiting for the Lord is very different than waiting for what you want. Waiting for the Lord is putting your hope in his word, not your hope in your own works. Waiting for the Lord is emotionally, intellectually, and spiritually focusing your attention on his word, on his truth, on the scripture, on his voice, instead of on your wants. Watchmen were the men who would stand on a city wall or a castle wall and look out for any enemy advances. That's who watchmen are. They were watching. They're the graveyard shift. They're the 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. guys. They're working all night. This is a long shift. And if you're, you don't keep yourself busy, then you're going to fall asleep. This was the watchman's challenge, to keep watch to be attentive, to never fall asleep, not to be lulled into a stupor, but instead to be attentive, to be, to be vigilant, to be awake, to be alert, to keep your eyes open. That's what you and I need in this time of change. In this time of change, don't be lulled to sleep by sheltering in place. Don't be lulled into a stupor by 10,000 Zoom meetings. Don't be lulled into just thinking about getting back to the way things were. Hey, One Chapel family, I just want to encourage you today. I want to create a distinction and the difference between waiting on the Lord and waiting on what you want. Waiting on the Lord is like the watchman being on guard, vigilant, diligent, diligent, prepared, anticipating and attentive to everything that's happening around you. Waiting on what we want is like the watchman just trying to get to daylight, just doing their best to, to get there, trying to make it without sleeping, just thinking about how to get to that nice, warm, cozy bed that you can make it. Remember this scripture? We've used it the whole series. 1 Peter 2.11, it says, Friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourself too cozy in it. We're in a season where we have to be vigilant. The psalmist says, more than watchmen wait for the morning. He says it twice. He, he says it more than watchmen. It's more than just a watchman waiting for the morning. There's something more to this. Do you see the difference? 
We're not just waiting for morning. We're waiting on God. We're not just waiting for what we want. We're waiting on the Lord for what he wants. See, the picture that the psalmist is giving us here in Psalm 130, you're the watchman, you're not God. You're, you're not the one in control, he is. And the reason why we can find hope in the midst of this season, in the deepest, darkest pits of your own life, is because we have the conviction that God is actively involved in our lives. And we have confidence that God is in charge of our lives and holding us up, holding even the world in his hands. Now look, look at this, the final verse of Psalm 130. It says, O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Oh, one chapel, put your hope in the Lord. Oh, one chapel, put your hope in the God that we know, in the God that we trust. Listen, now I believe in this time, in this season, God is doing something where he is, he is outwitting the enemy during this pandemic. He's taking what the devil meant for evil and he's turning it around for your good, for my good, for our good together. And it's here that I want to draw your attention to the struggle of where we are as a church. Because many of us have been looking to like, like programs and self-help solutions to get us through this time. And listen, listen to me, I love self-improvement. I think we gotta do, we gotta read more, we gotta, we gotta experience, but listen, Self-improvement will never take the place of God's movement in your life. It'll never take the place. Many of us have fallen into a pit and we're feeling hopeless and full of despair, but don't believe the lies. Put your hope in the Lord. Put your hope in his word. Because the end of the verse is, he has unfailing love and with him is full. Not half, not three quarters, full Redemption, full redemption. God wants to redeem this time for his purpose and plans in, in us, in our church, in our city, and in the world. Because the whole world is going through this together. And we should be only expectant, looking forward, expectant and anticipating what the Lord is going to do. But I find, even in myself, even as I talk to others, many of us are just wanting to go back to life the way it was. And I'm here to tell you, you can't go back. It's actually impossible. You can only go forward. We can only move forward. And I believe that God has his purpose in this waiting that we're in. He has a prophetic plan for the big C church, right? The, the worldwide church during this period of time that we've spent sheltering in place and dealing with this pandemic. And I don't think he's done yet. And I want to challenge you to think about this because during this season, could God be asking you and me, could God be asking us as one chapel, to change our way of thinking about church? Could God be challenging our paradigm of what church is? I want you to wrestle with this idea. I want, I want us to wrestle with it because real change, real change takes time. Nothing happens like that. It's been said that 21 days makes a habit. Right? Uh, psychologists often say it takes probably three times longer than that, 66 days. Uh, it's, it, if, and if you go to AA, right, they say 
that if you can make it 90 days clean, 90 days sober, sober, you have a chance, a real chance, a fighting chance at freedom. And I just believe that we're in a process as a church, as the American church. And I think God is working something deep into our lives and into our community, into the, the, the way we think about church and community. And if we have the courage and the faith and the attentiveness to see it, we'll see something really powerful. And I want to suggest to you some change, changing pandemic paradigms. Changing pandemic paradigms. During this season, our paradigms are changing. And it's clear that so many of us were so building-centric, right, when we started this thing. And we were like, oh, my gosh, we can't use our buildings. Like, I think God's trying to move us in our paradigm from building-centric to community-centric. From building-centric to community-centric. Listen, you and I are the church. The building is not the church. We're a community of people on the way, the Jesus way, and we're traveling together. Listen, buildings are a great tool. They're a great resource for reaching a, a community of people. They're a great resource for, for holding meetings of lots of people. But, but I want you to think about this for a minute. Whenever we get together, is it the power of the building that we feel or is it the power that's in the people who are gathered? I promise you. It's not power in the building, it's power in the people. And the Holy Spirit is highlighting the, his power in us as a community that we would lean into each other. And there's such a tension that we have to have here because think about this, all right? In the middle of this, in the middle of this shutdown, <laughs> One Chapel Austin bought a building. How crazy is that? I mean, I have, I have wrestled with that thought. And, and, and while we're saying like, hey, we're kind of shifting our way of thinking, but here's what I've settled. What I've settled is, it's not the building that should define us. Never has been, and it never should be. Aren't we the people? Isn't one chapel the people? We have the history, and we've said it over the 10 years of our history. We take sac secular places, and we make them into sacred spaces. That's what we do. We go to commercial office buildings. We go to movies, movies, movie houses, and we, we just gather together. And what makes it sacred is we're there, and the Holy Spirit is in us. And we got to have a renewal of that paradigm, that wherever we gather, whether we're on Zoom, or whether we're in a church building, or whether we're at coffee together, or no matter, or we're in a home, it doesn't matter where you are. It's the people, it's the community that matters. And God is emphasizing that. Deep and meaningful friendships. Deep and meaningful friendships among us. That's what we need. I think another thing is he's moving us, our paradigm, from consumer-oriented to outreach-oriented. Instead of, so think about this. So instead of, do I like this? Instead of that, how can I make a difference? Instead of, is this good for me? Instead, I'm thinking about how can I do something that really changes somebody's life? That's happening to us as we go through this process. Mark Batterson said the next great revival in America has to be a revival of deeds. And I think he's right. We've been challenged. And you've given so powerfully in, in, in the offering. And we've done some really awesome stuff with what you've given but it's beyond just giving. It's being uh, 
where people are in the moment that they need you and being able to spot those needs. That's what's happening to us. And then finally, from isolated acquaintances to integrated disciples. Now, I think this one's subtle, right? And some of you are like, what is he saying? Isolated acquaintances. Here's what I mean. When, When lots of people come to church, what happens is they have some acquaintances there and they see them and they say hi, but they're not integrated into a discipleship relationship with anyone. They're not really working towards how to follow Jesus in a in a convincing and convicting way. They're just kind of going to church, having the experience, saying hi to some acquaintances. That is not going to sustain us in what is ahead for any of us, for what God is doing in our country and what God is doing in our city. Listen, Jesus' followers were called disciples and they followed him. And that means they did what he did. They acted the way he acted. They lived like him. They weren't individualized. They were a group of guys working together. They were integrated into each other's lives. And listen to this. Jesus was an includer. He included everybody, whether they were a person who was sick, whether they were a sinner, whether they were a sidelined person on the margins, Jesus always included them. I, I want to challenge you. This is the kind of church we have to be. We have to kind of be the kind of people who include others, even if we're sort of uncomfortable with it. This is what we're called. It's from isolated acquaintances to integrated disciples, and we're doing what Jesus did. This changing paradigm, it's so important for us to, to spot it, to see what God is doing. Because if we're going to do this, you can't, like if we're going to get through this season and learn what God is t- teaching us, we can't be limited by a building. I'm looking so forward to meeting in that building with a whole bunch of you from Austin. I am so excited about that. But we can't be defined by that building. What we have inside of us is bigger than that building. What we got to do in this city is larger. It goes further. It needs to go out beyond those walls. We can't do what God's called us to do from a consumer perspective. And we can't do what God's called us to do in isolation. We have to be integrated with the community, all these things take time and, and, and we're being weaned off of our hectic and frenetic pace. And so I want to say, welcome to the new normal. Welcome to the new normal. I heard one guy saying, I've seen it posted several times. The church has left the building. Way to go. Way to go. Let's, let's keep going. Let's keep moving. And there's all kinds of places we can go to from here. Our dreams and strategies are just now expanding Don't put your hope in going back. Put your hope in what's ahead. And now I want to give you some understanding of what God is saying to our leadership team now here right at the end. I've been doing some Zoom calls with hundreds of pastors. I've seen tons of surveys that pastors have done. Um, I've been been really excited about what I'm hearing and what God's doing, what I believe he's doing in me and in us. And I I want to tell you how one chapel is ready to move into new phases for this summer, all right? New phases, but we're going to go slowly. We're going to go slowly. It's important to realize that our country shut down happened step by step, and we're not going to get back together by doing anything except a step-by-step approach. And so we're not going to rush. We're not going to rush forward. We're not going to push hard to get back to a 
to full on-campus gatherings. We're going to go methodically. And there's spiritual reasons for this and there's practical reasons for this. If I, if I could just share a couple practical reasons. There's the fact that the children's ministry is very difficult to do. There's so much safety and sanitization that would have to happen, that will have to happen for sure. But also, I just want you to remember that kids don't do social distancing very well. It's, it doesn't really work. And it's really not a great experience, if you think it through, singing through a mask. I don't know if you've ever done it. It's not pleasant. Um, singing is actually one of the things that spreads germs the best, which is really a problem. Like, if you think about how this, how this thing started spreading at first, there was nursing homes, there were cruise ships, and then there were choirs. Choirs spreading this thing. And so we, we have a challenge when we get together and worship. And so there's some, there's some really big issues here, not to mention that we have, we have two campuses that don't own their own building, and, they, and we have to deal with their, the, how they rework their reopening, and we have to work with their system. So I think the bottom line here is that we feel that our worship norms, the way we worship and our practices are not just conducive, they're, they're, just, they're not very conducive to gathering with a bunch of restrictions, Restrictions like social distancing, mask wearing, the lack of children's ministry. All that is, it makes it difficult for us to like push forward. In fact, we lean towards the idea, as we've talked about it among our leadership teams, that as long as restrictions remain in place that exclude the elderly and the immune compromise, we'd prefer not to gather. We want everyone to be allowed to come to the table. But we don't live in a perfect world so we've got to figure out how to move forward. And we're doing our best to figure out how to move forward under our guiding principle. And I want you to remember this, love your neighbor as yourself. So with that explanation, I, want to, I really want to share with you the three phases that we're going to live in through the summer. All right, phase one is our current phase. And if you look at it, it's online church and Zoom groups. We've been doing that. We've been doing such a great job. You guys are leaning in. You're participating. You're worshiping. It's so good. We're going to start doing outside drive-in events. We've already started doing it. The Mother's Day drive-in celebration was awesome. It was so good. And uh, we, just being there and seeing people, even in so a bunch of people were wearing masks, right? This is how diverse, this is how diverse our community is. Some people were like masked up in their car. Other people pulled up to me and said, why are you guys wearing masks? Right? Like, so you got to understand people are all over the map on this thing. But it was so good, even in masks, even with distance, to see each other. And we're going to do more of those kinds of events. In fact, I want to uh, I, I think it's already out there. But this Thursday, One Chapel Austin is going to have its first outdoor worship event at the new property the old Austin Cathedral building. You'll hear more about that. Pretty excited about that. And so we are going to uh, have a worship night on Thursday night at 7 p.m. Lake Travis is having their own worship nights out there on their property because it's easy for them to do. And so if you told me we'd be doing all this six months ago, I thought you were crazy. But here we are in the middle of this thing. So that leads us to phase two, June 15, the county order for Lake for uh, Travis County, um, is, is lifted, and, and I don't know exactly where that's going to go, but we just feel like that's a day we can start to move forward. We'll keep doing online church and groups online, but we'll begin experimenting with in-person groups. We'll begin experimenting with kind of medium-sized groups and people getting together. Think Front Yard Fridays, like Liberty Hill, 
uh, did. And uh, driveway dinners, which is awesome. Supper for six, maybe with picnics or, or barbecues. Kind of an outside gathering where it's easier to um, interact with people in a way that feels a little safer. We we're probably through that, through that summer experiment with some in-home gatherings as well. And so we might have to, we might have to figure out, right, how to treat each other as we come from our different points of view. And so I want to challenge you, One Chapel, to be united in this one thing, to love people, to be gracious to each other. It doesn't matter on what side of the political aisle you're from or how you view the current situation. Be attentive to each other's needs. Be careful about how you interact with people and love people. Some people are not going to be comfortable with hugs. Don't just go up and hug them. <laughs> Stick your elbow out and inch forward, right? And some other people are going to come up and just want to hug you. So listen, be gentle, be loving, and let's go through. Listen, here's what I want to say. This could be the funnest summer we've ever had as a church. This is going to create memories like never before. We're going to take pictures. We're going to have all these incredible memories. We'll remember 2020s. Oh, that was the year that we were coming out of shelter in place. I loved that summer. It was so fun. And I just want to encourage you. We're moving forward. This is going to be really fun, I believe, as we start, start taking steps. And here's what I believe. We're the church no matter where we gather. Doesn't matter in what form we gather. No matter what, we are the church of Jesus Christ. And so that leads us to phase three, which would begin August 1st. We continue to do online groups and online church. And here's newsflash. Online church is here to stay. Online groups are here to stay. Even as we we lift all the restrictions, and and that's going to end up being our newest campus. It's going to be an online campus. And I, who knew we could practice it while we're in this position? But here we are. We'll do more in-person home groups. We'll start meeting together in homes in a more intentional way. And, and, and this is kind of what some of you are waiting on, limited indoor campus Sunday gatherings. And that may require RSVPs, and we, we may have to sign up. It depends on what the restrictions are by August 1st. I expect that they may be lifted and we may be more free by then to gather. But we don't know. This is a thing we just can't necessarily predict. But we'll be measured. We'll be careful. We'll be consistent with guidelines and restrictions and and whatever they are in that place in time. And listen, here's here's the truth. If everything goes really well... If we end up going through this summer and the city really does well with COVID-19 and we get to move faster, we'll speed up, we'll speed up the phases. But I want you to have a place to aim. I want you to have a reason to wait. I want you to have an understanding of what God may be trying to do in us. And so I want you to go with me. It's been confusing, just to be honest right here at the end. It's been hard on some of you. I know. But I want to I want to tell you it's been hard on me too. It's been hard to figure out how to lead and make sure that everyone's safe. It's been hard for our team to get together and figure out how to help people where they're at. It's been challenging to make decisions in how we should move forward as the people of God because the ever critical eye of those who don't believe 
are often watching us. They're evaluating us. And at the end of the day, I'm interested in every person being able to look at us, being able to look at one chapel and find Jesus and not be distracted by other things. I want them to see Jesus. I want us to be careful. I want us to be attentive to people who are in need. Let's be the church wherever we are. And I can't wait. I mean, I, listen, as we follow these rules, that Mother's Day thing showed us how awesome this is. And I'm going to be, a, I, when we get together in this worship night, we get together in these small groups, I'm going to be emotional because this is our family. And I'm a little homesick. And I, I, I look forward to getting together with you. I look forward to what is ahead for us. But as we build this strategy, we're going to try to do it so that every person is cared for. Every person can go at their own pace. Okay? So, since that is the case, since this is where we're headed, let's cry out to God for his mercy. Let's cry out to God for ourselves and for our city. Listen, let's become the church that gives, that's committed to giving every man, woman, and child in our city repeated opportunities to see, hear, and understand the gospel of Jesus Christ by our words and by our actions. Let's be the church that's not afraid to innovate, to find our way forward, to not be fearful of the future, but to charge the hill with passion, with love, with courage, with Holy Spirit conviction. That's what I want to be. Let's do this together. Let's, let's wait on God and let's look for his leadership in our lives during this season. One chapel. Oh, one chapel. Put your hope in the Lord. Put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love. And with him is full redemption. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word here. We thank you that you are speaking to us. You're challenging us. You're taking us up to a higher place. And we say yes to that journey. Lord, I pray for every person who's gathered today with me. Lord, that they would experience this sense of your presence, the nearness, those who are hurting, those who are struggling, those who feel like they're in a pit, that they would sense that you are with them and you are for them and you are lifting them, even now, right now, in that place where they are, in that living room, in that kitchen, in the car as they're listening to this. You're lifting their spirit and you're, you're, you're pulling them up out of that pit. I pray it in Jesus' name. We agree for it. I pray for every person who's far from God. I pray Lord Jesus, for every person who's struggling to reach you. Lord, I pray that you'd reach them instead. Help them to know that you're after them, that you're chasing after them. And Father, I pray that you would reach so close that they, all they'd have to do is just respond and just say, okay, yes, yes. And I pray that they would say yes. I pray that you would say yes today. Say yes to Jesus if you're far from Say yes if you need him to clean up your past and you're tired of dragging around your wounded yesterday. Say yes to Jesus. We agree in the name of Jesus that that, that yes that you're saying is going to result in a change, a transformation in your life. We pray this. We agree for it together. And we ask you, Lord, to lead us on. Lead us as a church. Lead us as a community 
to be a blessing wherever we go. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.